What is going on, everybody? Hopefully you guys are all doing well out there. Sit back and relax. Another edition of the Sports Card Show podcast. I'd like you guys to, if you're on a run, if you're on a walk, if you're driving to work, um, a lot of you guys, uh, you know, I hear that you listen to me on the way to, like you're commuting to work, you're going to school, you're on a walk, you're on a run, you're at the gym, whatever it might be, settle in. For another edition of the Sports Card Show podcast, excited to be here. God, you know, not not to kind of uh, start uh, start it off with a crescendo, but uh, not a ton of like super interesting topics or nothing like super overwhelming, exciting. Uh, you know, considering our last show was, uh, I wouldn't say well received, but definitely got a lot of feedback. I got more requests from uh, card manufacturers and grader card graders and autograph dealers they wanted to all come on the show and uh you know some of you guys that might be picking up the show for for the first time here uh you know maybe the last year or so wonder why we don't have people from Panini or people from Leaf or Steve you know Steve Grad was offered up to be on the show why we don't take these offers up uh it's because these people already have a platform they have a voice they have a way to get their message out there if they want to. Um, certainly, if somebody wants to come on the show that doesn't have a platform yet or is trying to develop their platform, maybe we'd uh, we'd uh, bring them on. And 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 I'm am working on bringing some people onto the show, just really kind of collectors or, or bloggers that are just starting out or whatever it might be. Uh, I don't mind bringing them on, but if you already have a platform, you already have a voice, people already know who you are. I don't have any interest in in bringing you on. And uh, certainly had our we had certainly had our fair share of requests after last show. People trying to get their side of the story. I don't, we don't care about your side of the story, okay? If Damian Lillard wants to come on, we'll bring him on. We'll play one of his rap songs. That actually would have been appropriate last show to play one of his rap songs. We didn't get around to that, but uh, maybe some other time. In terms of today's show, got a whirlwind release schedule, so I'm not going to go through all the sets because it would take, uh, you know, my my voice would go out before I got through them all. But um, we actually hired somebody at SportsCardRadio.com to start putting up a lot of this stuff. Put up some of this information, update some of the stuff that's already on the website, kind of further some some sections that are already uh, going and whatnot. And actually, as we speak, he's actually working on the site right now. So I'm really uh, excited with the work that he's doing, do, doing a lot of work. We're talking full-time, eight hours a day. Uh, and he's actually working seven days a week, six to seven days a week. So um, that's actually pretty cool. First time we've ever had that. And uh, we're just a couple weeks in. He's actually doing a pretty good job. So we'll see how that goes uh, going forward. But he's had his handful with the World Win release schedule. I'm sure if you're a dealer of new wax or a dealer of uh, new cards and things like that, boy, you've had uh, to to manage your cash flow. I can imagine like managing your cash flow during this time because, you know, new cards are selling, but during this time of the year, as somebody, and I'll give you an update on Amazon and eBay and check out my cards and stuff, you know, I've got a lot of other things that are selling pretty well. And if I was having to buy a lot of this stuff and, and by mean having to buy, oftentimes the way the, these card companies work is you really have to buy stuff in order to 
quote unquote qualify or get allocated some of the stuff that you really can make money on. Um, you know, these companies aren't going to let you just buy flawless or national treasures or immaculate or whatever prism or whatever sells well, they're going to make you buy all this other stuff before they let you buy that. So if you're one of these guys, like a breaker or, uh, you know, a dealer or something that's relying on, um, you know, making sure that you have the hot stuff in stock, well, you got to buy all this other stuff. And I, I can imagine just the cash flow needed and the work and effort because, um, you know, to keep your cash flow going, you're going to have to sell through this stuff. So whether it's breaking, you're probably on just, uh, you know, your fingers are tired probably opening packs and, and your voice is probably gone if you're a breaker trying to announce all these breaks and selling them and whatnot. And if you're a lister on eBay, or you know, you're probably pretty tired uh, in, in that sense. And so just a lot of releases. So we'll talk a little bit about that. Uh, maybe a breakers trade association is needed. Talk about that, what that would entail. I'll give you an Amazon, eBay, check out my cards update. Not a full in-depth one where I'm going to talk about a lot of stuff. Really, I'm saving a lot of my Amazon stuff for um, my new podcast at powersellingradio.com. Go ahead and check that out. We're, I think, eight or nine episodes deep on there. I'll definitely go more in depth on my Amazon strategies and my Amazon successes and failures and mistakes and things like that on that podcast. Um, But we'll talk a little bit about Amazon, uh, probably a little bit more about eBay and checking my cards on today's show. The Panini Prism Basketball made Panini's website crash. I mean, totally, well, they were totally bombarded by people with interest in buying Panini Prism. So, hey, that's that's good for the for the new card market, new card hobby. And I want to make something clear, right? And kind of uh, semi-off talk, semi-tangent at the moment. But um, what I want to make clear is, uh, you know, sometimes I'm negative on, on cards or it seems like I'm really overly negative. And I know we got an email this last week from uh, somebody at Upper Deck. can't remember the guy's name, but somebody at Upper Deck emailed us and said something to the effect like, if you guys weren't so negative, we, we'd do stuff with you guys. And it's like, first of all, we don't need you. You're not, you know, the people at Upper Deck have never come to my website and clicked on a link and bought something and made me money. I really don't care about you guys, quite frankly. You guys don't make me money. I don't want the cards. I don't want the boxes. It's a pain in my both of my butt cheeks to do a giveaway and 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 whatnot, and having to ship all that out. I've got enough, you know, shipping I have to do with Amazon and eBay and all this other stuff that I, I don't need to have a giveaway and a free giveaway and you know to jerk you guys off. Okay, you guys don't do anything for me, so I don't need to be positive to Panini. I don't need to be positive to Upper Deck. Don't need to be positive towards Tops because you guys don't do anything for me. You don't send me any traffic. Not that even if you did, it, it wouldn't be worth it. It wouldn't be enough. I don't need your love on social media. I don't need your love at any of these events or sports card uh, card events or whatever. I don't need that. Okay. The target market for sports card radio is the person that actually doesn't know a lot about cards. It's not a diehard. That couldn't tell you the difference between an upper deck set and a Panini set. That couldn't tell you that Panini has an exclusive with football and basketball. And then Tops has an exclusive with baseball and upper deck has an exclusive with hockey. These people don't know that. That's the target uh, customer for me. And I've known this through looking at the data. Looking at years and years of stats. That our target audience is actually the person. The person that makes us money 
is the person that doesn't listen to this podcast. That's why I'm on here saying whatever I want, because it doesn't matter, okay? The amount of money I make, whether I'm on here uh, slapping butt or talking trash, there's no difference between how much money I make. That's because the diehards don't make you money on a website. But that wasn't actually my point. My point is, um, I'm actually negative, and and to use like a stock term, bearish, which means negative, on the new card market. So the brand new sets that come out week after week, day after day, as we'll talk about in a minute. But I'm not bearish. In fact, I'm bullish on the older sets. Sets at least three years old or more. I'm even more bullish on sets that are 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years old. Those sets um, have nostalgia, collectability, and um, more people have those sets. More people have have been exposed to those sets. More people, uh, you know, identify with those cards, not thousand dollar boxes or five thousand dollar boxes. Or I think uh, Tops is putting out a twenty five thousand dollar box in the next uh, thirty days. This is not the kind of product the majority of people identify. Degenerate card fondlers that have to be living at home with mom. Because I, I know I can think of twenty five thousand different things I'd rather buy than a twenty five thousand dollar box, let alone a twenty five hundred dollar box. I can think of twenty five hundred uh, things that I'd rather buy than a twenty five hundred dollar box. And most average people out there that aren't listening to the show, that have kids, that have a family, that have a house, that have a car, that pay their bills, that pay their taxes. That's what they care about. So I'm actually um, positive and bullish on the older sets, on the new card market, still a little bearish. Um, but hey, Panini Prism actually made Panini's website crash. There was so much interest in buying it, mainly because uh, the price was was at a point where you, you could resell it for money. There's certainly a plenty of cards in there that, that could be worth well more than, I think they were $120 each for these Panini Prism first off the line boxes at Panini. So we'll talk about that. Um, finally, 2018 football. A lot of you guys um, may have hung with the NFL. You, you know, you don't mind that the, the guys are kneeling. And quite frankly, I don't really, you know, I, I, I do want to make America great again. And I think it's funny that Trump uh, started kind of the rift with the NFL a few weeks ago, and it certainly was getting more attention. You know, his, his attention spans about as long as my uh, eight-month-year-old son. And so he shifts his focus from uh, subject to subject. But I found it funny that he did pick on the NFL and their ratings are down, and the interest in the NFL is down. And my team, the Bengals, have been struggling this year offensively in particular. So it hasn't been all – and I actually quit all uh, my fantasy leagues, so I don't even play fantasy football anymore. But um, 2018 football I think is going to be excellent. It's going to be really exciting. It's going to be um, – should have a lot of collectability. And there'll be a lot of attention, I think, uh, within the hobby community on that. So we'll talk about that. And finally, we have to have a Make America Great Again segment, as usual. And, and, and as usual, if you don't want to make America Great Again, uh, that's when the podcast will be over for you. But we'll talk about tax reform. We'll talk about taxes and talk about what it means for you 
and uh, talk about what a lot of the media has been spreading around how, oh, this is a a tax cut for the rich and uh, it's going to, it's not for you, you know, and if you don't pay taxes, if you're already broke or if you, if you already get a full refund on your 1099 or whatever it is, uh, you know, I don't know why you're worried about uh, the taxes that I pay or, or people that make, uh, you know, six, seven figures make. Wouldn't really worry about it if you're not really paying taxes already. So um, we'll talk about that. First things first, we'll talk about this release schedule. It's just been holy crap. You can't even like keep track of it. There's been a top set, a, a, an upper deck set. A, a Panini has like five sets coming out every day. It seems like, and I mean they've had a three. I think three different flawless sets come out in a week's time. And I, I think Immaculate Football launched too. So you had like Immaculate Football. You had like Collegiate Flawless, I think both basketball and football. And then you have Collegiate or NBA Basketball Flawless from last year. It's a 16-17 product. If that makes any sense. We're on our like third 17-18 NBA product. And we've got a 16-17 NBA product coming out. So no wonder... The, the average person doesn't care about cards and doesn't, uh, you know, mind cards anymore because uh, of all these intricacies and that you, you really have to be a card fondler or just sitting there, uh, you know, jerking off Panini to really follow and understand all this stuff. But, uh, boy, like I was saying in the beginning of the show, if you're a dealer or, like, I mean, let alone if you're, like, a buyer, if you're trying to, like, collect a certain player, if you're, like, trying to collect... Alonzo Ball cards or or um, Tatum cards or uh, whoever is you know in the NBA or hockey. I'm not really familiar with with hockey, and we're at the tail end of baseball. And obviously, you got Judge in there and and Bellinger, and there's probably some Astros cards that that people are excited um, about, given that they just uh, won the World Series and stuff. So, but man. Well, your cash flow's got it's got to be really hard to keep up with this stuff, and I, I really look at it as it, it'd be really hard to capitalize on any one thing when you've got that much stuff flowing through your fingers. And so um, I just think it, it really limits you as a business person when you're, you're trying to maybe keep up with this stuff or or, or try to. Um, you know, you're trying to, if you're a breaker or like a dealer, you're trying to keep up with this stuff. So you're allocated the stuff you can actually make money on. I really don't know if it's worth it. You know, I, I would, I would maybe think about specializing in one thing and then, so if you specialize maybe just in basketball cards or just specialize in baseball or just specialize in certain kind of breaks or really deep breaks or like, you know, 50K, maybe not 50 case breaks, but like 10 case breaks or something where you're doing, instead of doing it all, you're doing, uh, you know, you specialize in one thing. And, I, and I've said that on the show before, if you're trying to break into the, the breakers market or whatever it is. Or maybe even you know not not just a breaker, but if you're breaking in as a, like an online dealer or something too, or maybe you're breaking a little bit, maybe you're selling some other stuff on the side. I think it would be really wise to specialize in one thing or one style of break. And obviously, you can you could branch off from there. But really, what I think would be would be wise is to you know you could specialize in just basketball, just specialize in in 10 box case breaks of baseball or, 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 or whatever it is. Um, but then diversify into something else. 
because you'd still, you know, if 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 you're trying to keep up with all these releases, it, it can it, I, I can imagine it could be extraordinarily difficult. And um, you know, luckily for me, I've been selling on Amazon, eBay, checking my cards uh, for the last. You know, I've been doing that for a while. But Amazon, in particular, over the last uh, four months or so, four or five months, and I, you know, I found my groove, found my lane found what I'm specializing in. And I do specialize a little bit in kind of the brand new board game and stuff like that. There is an advantage to getting those and getting them up on Amazon for being, you know, being one of the first people to have them up on Amazon. And, and before, you know, it kind of gets saturated, the market kind of gets saturated or Amazon themselves start selling it or whatever. But, um, and the release date cal- calendar on the board games is, is just as whirlwind as uh, the, the unopened sports cards. But um, in those cases, I'm paying you know, $14 a board game, $15 a board game, $30 a board game, you know, a $30, $40 board game wholesale is on the high end of the, the price spectrum, you know, typically they're in that 15 to $25 range. And, and so, you know, I can order four or five of each one. In fact, I told my sales rep just, you know, cause he would call me once a week and ask me if I want this. And I told him, you know, just put me down for anything that I can sell online, because some of these places, um, you know, they don't allow you to sell to online retailers. They don't want you to sell on Amazon, whatever it is. Um, and there's a couple of them out there that do that. I say, hey, anybody that allows me to just buy and sell it on Amazon, I'll take four of each. And, you know, just put me down for four and call me when they come in. We'll put together another order and we'll, we'll get it shipped out. Um, and so that's what I'm doing there. And it would be, uh, and so at a, you know, again, at a 15 to $20 price point, I really can't get burned. You really, it'd be really difficult to do that with these, um, you know, obviously 2018 baseball was really nice. It was the gift that kept on giving, but, um, you know, and maybe 17, 2017, 18 basketball is the same way as we'll talk about in a minute. But um, boy, look at 2018 football, or excuse me, 2017 football, 2017 football has, I mean, there's like nobody in, in there that you really feel like collecting. I mean, you got Mitch Trubinsky who throws like 15 passes a game. He's not very good. Honestly, he's not that good of a player. Not that, you know, he, he's a decent quarterback. I think he's end up going to be a backup in this league. But uh, definitely not going to lead the the Bears to a Super Bowl. I mean, you know, I could could be wrong there, but he d- d- doesn't look like that special of a talent to me. Um, what's his name? Deshaun Watson looked all right. I think if you look at the teams that Deshaun Watson uh, put up big numbers against, these were a lot of like some of the worst defenses in the league. And so, yeah, he, 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 he did what he was supposed to do against uh, bad pass defenses and bad teams. But, um, you know, he's going to come back his second year uh, off an injury that, that is tough for a mobile quarterback to come back from. And um, the shine is going to wear off by then. So nobody's going to care about Deshaun Watson. Then nobody cares about him now because he's hurt. And nobody's going to care about him this time next year. Um, unless... I mean, unless he's leading uh, the Texans to like a Super Bowl berth, which is possible. I mean, we've seen Carson Wentz. I think his cards came out big and then they started struggling and and it's not like his cards tanked or anything like that. But um, we've seen them uh, definitely now that the Eagles are looking like one of the best teams in the league or they have one of the best records, I think still. um, His cards have come back a little bit. But, um, you know, you got Deshaun Kaiser, who sucks. I mean, the Browns tried to trade for uh, A.J. McCarron. So the Browns know that 
Deshaun Kaiser sucks. Okay, so they they were they were trying to trade for AJ McCarron. Uh, you know, when they had like they had no wins, so um, he, he sucks. Okay, so there's no quarterbacks. My brother did a podcast a couple weeks ago, or, or maybe a month or two ago at this point, where he basically outlined for you that unless it's a quarterback or unless it's a really rare situation, like you've got a wide receiver like o, ODB who sucks too, um, his cards are worth over a hundred. But you had uh, Julio Jones, who was in the Super Bowl and one of the better receivers in the league. His cards worth like a hundred bucks. Um, you know, unless you're on the Steelers maybe or whatever, or you really considered the best in the league, your cards aren't worth a whole lot. Look at Des Bryant, AJ Green, their cards aren't worth a whole lot. And the same goes true for running backs, because I think collectors realize at this point, you know, the odds of you staying in the league or staying out of domestic violence troubles or whatever, getting suspended are extraordinarily rare. The only position that sells uh, year after year, time after time, is the quarterback position in the NFL. So you do have Leonard Fournette, who I really like, and I think is a really solid player, really solid running back, has a bright future in the NFL, but nobody cares about his cards. Joe Mixon, if the Bengals had a, a, even a decent offensive line, I think uh, would be right up there with uh, with Leonard Fournette in terms of his, his, uh, his, uh, his impact on his team. Uh, because I've seen some really nice things out of Joe Mixon. And I, I'm not just saying that if he sucked or if I wasn't really impressed with him, I, I, I would tell you guys, but I'm actually really, I'm really impressed by him. The problem is the Bengals suck. Uh, and the Bengals offensive line is even worse. It's got to be one of the worst in the league. And uh, so he's not, he, he's not going to impact stats wise. And if he, even if he did, his cards would barely be worth a hundred bucks. I mean, people are for whatever reason, paying more for Trubinsky and Deshaun Keisner. Uh, and those guys really suck. So you really got to wait till 2018 football. I'll wait on that segment because I don't want to necessarily make it super football heavy uh, right here in the beginning. But wait until next year. And, and again, if you're a breaker or you're a dealer and you've got to buy this stuff to kind of make sure you're in the door for 2018, I can un- kind of understand that. And maybe uh, hopefully you can like break even on this stuff or kind of tread water until you get to 2018 because I really see 2018 as your chance to, um, you know, at this point, it might be just make up the losses that you have for 2017 football. And that's kind of the unfortunate thing is that you're going to wade through a really bad 2017 football card season to get to a good one where you can actually make a little bit of money, but um, you know your, your upside might be limited if you're playing around in this 2017 stuff, which really sucks, uh, especially the minute uh, Watson went down with a knee injury. So... You know, just a lot of releases, and it's hard to keep your head uh, above water if you're a dealer. Hard to keep your head above water if you're a player collector. Certainly, if you're trying to open some of this stuff or or buy into breaks or whatever, it's just constant, just constant, constant new thing to buy, new set, and um, whether or not this is sustainable, it's been going on for for long enough that I guess it is sustainable. I guess there's enough people out there. Uh, that that buy this stuff for the profit margin. You know the card companies have whittled down the pro- card uh, the profits margin on it um, because you know now they got sticker autographs in there. The actual quality of the cards. You actually notice that the card stock itself is 
paper thin these days. You know, tops, the quality of tops cards has gone down year after year after year because they're using cheaper manufacturing methods on the cards. So they're, they're, they're paying less to, to make the cards and stuff. And the cards themselves uh, just aren't as, as uh, sturdy or as, uh, you know, I don't know what the word is, but they're just not quite as nice as they were, um, you know, a couple years ago, even when they were pumping this stuff out. So they've, they've you know, the card companies have managed to, to cut, 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 put less and less and less in the products themselves and uh, raise the price. They actually have, have, you know, the price has gone up on a lot of this stuff, and they've reduced the number of packs, reduced the number of cards, reduced the quality of the cards, reduced the number of on-card signatures, and we know with Panini, they're they're literally buying, like, Mitchell and S jerseys and Reebok jerseys and Nike jerseys off the shelf and putting it in there as, you know, it's not even, like, player-worn. It's just, like, material. It's like, you know, here's a piece of here's a Chicago Bears jersey with Mitch Trubinsky uh on the card <laughs> you know I mean it's just you know it's just gone on and on and on and I can expect that to to continue uh, as we go forward one thing I think that would be interesting or at least helpful for the hobby especially in the in the wake of having some scams with the group breaks and I'm sure they happen more often than we even know or or I even follow closely enough to identify with. But, um, you know, what I think would be kind of interesting is if the, you know, I think there's probably only like four or five breakers that, that try to do every product and that try to do it the right way and, and, and try to have a high quality stream and a high quality experience for their customers. I think it'd be wise for those four or five people to start like what, what would maybe called like a group break, a trade association or a club or something like that, or membership, or or whatever. You know, you got like the NRA and the AARP, and and uh, you know, uh, AAA even is kind of like a membership club or something like that. And I, I think you could provide some benefit for your customers. It could provide some stickiness for your customers. And the things I think you could provide, and you may not even have ever have to pay out for this kind of stuff, is some kind of like insurance. So if somebody does get scammed, these guys pull a Brandon Cooks out of ninety nine, and 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 you know Brandon Cooks out of ninety nine, Brandon Cooks out of ninety nine. If that kind of situation happens, and people feel like they were ripped off, or you know the the you know maybe you, you can't compensate them for what they they perceive that they lost, or the perceived hit that 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 went out the window, or whatever. You know, at the very least, these guys can get their 30 bucks back or their 40 bucks back that they spent on the break. Because I feel I feel like, you know, you get doubly screwed oftentimes if you get screwed on a break. Um, you know, you, you, you feel like, oh, I paid for the break. I didn't get the car. You know, I you know, didn't get the shot at the cards. The guy, the guy's stream went down or whatever. I feel like, you know, those people should get their money back at the very least. I think, you know, if you had some membership dues or whatever, you guys, you, you know, pulled a little bit of money together, you could, you, you could, you could basically provide some insurance. You could provide some loyalty programs. You could provide some incentives for people to not go to these other breakers that just start up or doing them there in mom's basement or, or doing it on their cell phone or, or whatever. I think, you know, strengthening, if you're like a lead quote unquote leading breaker, if you're doing it a lot strength, look to strengthen your position 
uh, at the top and look to squash the little guys underneath you because they're actually probably doing more harm to your business than you even realize. Um, and I think like a trade association or a club or a, like a membership thing or, you know, whereas like authorized, you know, I know the companies have, have tossed around authorized breakers. I think you do that yourself. Make it to where, you know, you recognize yourself as an authorized breaker. This is, you know, these are the kind of protections that you get if you, if you break with me or whatever. I think uh, having those kind of things out there. Also, standardizing some of this stuff because I think uh, one of the, the issues I could see within the breaker community is getting new people in the door. Okay, you probably have your own core customer that's rotating probably between you and maybe uh, four or five other breakers or whatever it might be. Or only come in the door when it when it's football season, or only come in the door when their when their team has some hot rookies or some nice cards to be pulled out of the sets. I think you know you could uh, create some stickiness there, create a create uh, create a way for for them to only want to come come to you, uh, and also create. Um, what I really was wanting to say was. Create some ways that new people can get into it. So um, some standardized rules. So it's where like if I pull a dual card, two different teams, this is what happens. If the stream goes down, this is what happens. If um, you go hitless, this is what happens. I think everybody, a part of this membership group, should agree to send out base cards unless uh, the, the buyer declines that option. Okay, it's like you know, it's it's mandatory that that all cards are shipped, unless the person the, the person buying those cards or buying that spot uh, opts out of that. Um, and I think you could give that person a discount. Somebody that that doesn't want their cards, only wants hits sent, should be getting a discount. You know, not maybe not fifty percent off, but God, give that guy ten percent off or five percent off or two percent off. Might keep them coming back to you instead of you know, hunting around, going around to the next guy. So working on your the stickiness of your business, working on the loyalty of your business, I think would be something I would do uh, in the in the breaker specific thing. The, you know, really overarching, if I was like in breaking, I would be like looking to specialize, whether it be one sport, one type of break, and I'd be then taking all the extra time that I had just all the extra time I had and start diversifying into to other avenues. Um, because there, as somebody that's been selling on Amazon and eBay the last uh, four months, uh, rather seriously, I've been selling on eBay for, for, you know, 15, 20 years almost. Um, but, um, you know, Amazon and particularly over the last um, four months or so, Gosh, there's a lot of opportunity out there. If you really know what you're doing and you really know what to look for, there's um, cash flow opportunities and kind of easy. I would I would call it like almost like easy margin to be had, where you're really just buying this stuff from a distributor and literally turning it around, putting it in a box, sending it to Amazon, and it sells. So um, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll transition into that. So again, I have a, a new podcast, kind of new. It's been, I think I'm in my third month or so. I've only done nine shows or so. I haven't had a, a ton of free time lately, but uh, hopefully over this holiday period, I'll be able to record maybe three or four more to, to close out the year. But, um, been focused on Amazon, uh, in particular, and a little bit of eBay. I did order some stuff from a distributor and then that brand decided to, um, 
decided to limit who can sell on Amazon. So I literally had to, like, I literally placed a $2,500 order with my distributor of like almost all stuff that ended up being gated off of Amazon. And I had already sent it in Amazon. Like it was literally, I sent the products in to and the, the stuff was like on UPS trucks going to Amazon. And then I find out, Oh no, I can't sell it. So the minute it gets to Amazon, I literally had to turn around and send it back to me. Luckily at that time, Amazon was offering a free removal, which means I, I literally could tur- click a button and have all that stuff shipped back to me. So, but uh, needless to say, I've had uh, over $2,500 in inventory and kind of limbo. Luckily, I've been able to, to list a lot of it onto eBay. And a decent portion of it has to move. On Amazon, I'd be like, it'd be all gone. But uh, unfortunately, on eBay, it's, it, you know, the velocity of sales not not quite there. But it, it, it has been not bad. And, and quite frankly, by the brand gating off on Amazon, the price has actually gone up quite a bit. And so the prices on Amazon have gone up, which I think has turned people to kind of price compare onto eBay, which helps me because I'm really trying to kind of dump this stuff off uh, close to cost or you know, a small price. Profit margin. I've actually made profit on a lot of it, um, but uh, you know, I'm boxing this stuff up, packing and shipping it myself. So not quite as efficient as um, just boxing up once and sending it in Amazon. But other than that, it's been going pretty good. I actually have a private label product that's selling on Amazon, and, and by private label, um, it, it's basically my own product. It's a product that I had manufactured and created. And it is in the, it's kind of like collectible space, not in the sports cards or anything like that, but it is kind of a collectible like area product. And uh, it's pretty cool. And it's actually been selling uh, fairly well. It actually went, it actually sold out. I sent in kind of an initial inventory and I was expecting that to last for a little while and actually sold out um, primarily due to some Facebook promotion. And I actually was selling it at a, at a slight loss. Uh, the, the price I was selling at was actually below, uh, essentially below cost after you factor in all the fees. Right now I'm selling the product essentially at a roughly a break-even price. I might make a dollar to a unit, which is not enough to be sustainable. But um, I'm doing that really through the holiday season to get rank and to, to, to churn through some units. And, and I'll be able to move into 2018, hopefully with uh, some rank. So, I'm, I'm, you know, when people type in, by rank, I mean, when people type in the what the item is or, or you, know, what, just, uh, you know, some keywords that describe the item, I'll actually show up. You know, I'll show up one, two, thir- third, you know, I'll show up on the, the first, uh, I haven't checked it. I'm sure I'm like on the first page already, but, but by the end of Christmas and at the end of the year here, 2017, my guess is I'll be in the top two or three items, uh, there on Amazon. And so I'll be able to maybe bump up the price a little bit at that point. Won't have to be as aggressive with the advertising. Won't have to be, again, aggressive on the pricing. And uh, we'll see how it goes. I'll be able to roll that into uh, next year. In terms of eBay, again, like I said, I've been kind of using that as kind of a cross-sell, kind of been... um, selling some other, you know, selling the, the stuff that I couldn't sell on Amazon or, or selling some other stuff that I found, uh, that basically, basically what I can't sell on Amazon 
checking my cards. I was a little late to do their uh, Black... I don't know if these are like Black Friday promotion or what it is, but um, I'm actually selling a decent number of cards on there. I'll give you a quick update on the $100 account, the account I started, I think it was... June 2015, I think I started this account with $100 cash. I currently have $85.91. So like the most cash I've had probably since I've started the account. So I literally have 85% of my money back. And I still have 1,400 cards in my inventory. I have 1,100 cards, almost 1,200 cards for sale. So um, that's actually pretty good. And... Uh, you know, $85. And, and the reason why I haven't really been on here buying or, or really, I, I literally haven't even looked for, for cards for sale on Check My Cards is uh, Check My Cards is planning on a fee change. And I'm sure we'll see, we'll, we'll see, uh, you know, evidence of that or probably get, I, again, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm assuming we'll get notice of this change uh, fairly soon. And last time that, uh, Tim from Check on My Cards raised the fee a nickel. People started flipping out, and uh, you know everybody thought it was like the end of the world. And last time I checked, people are loving their their deals and and the stuff that's going on Check on My Cards right now because um, it is pretty easy to make some sales, and uh, the cards are selling. And I'm, I've been having a lot of luck uh, moving through my inventory, but I don't really want to buy. I don't really want to buy anything until I really know what the fees are going to be, what the cash out's going to be. Uh, also, if it throws guys into a tizzy and they can't pay an extra nickel to send in their cards and they start crying about it, um, you know, maybe there's even better deals to have here in, in a couple weeks or in a month or 30 days, 60 days, whatever it, it might be. There might be some better deals to have because guys start flipping out uh, that they've got to pay an extra penny to store their cards. I really don't know. I don't really know what the, the changes might be. They might be favorable. They might not be. Either way, I want to have some cash on hand. And, uh, you know, I have $85 um, on hand. What I would like to do at some point, I think would be kind of fun to do, is actually withdraw $100. And in, in, in check out my cards case, it's 20% to cash out. I would need to withdraw $120 to net $100. And that's kind of what I want to do on this count. I want to basically be looking at it then as a complete free roll, where it's literally I have the account going literally for free. I, you know, everything in there was free because I, um, you know, whatever money I spent on it, I am literally cashed out. And in like Jim Cramer's term, I'd be playing with the house's money, apparently, which I think is actually a bad. Jim Cramer always tells you, oh, your stock goes up 50%, sell 20% of it. If it goes up 80%, sell another 50% and be playing with the house money. I actually think that's terrible advice. You should let your winners run in the stock market and cut your losers very quickly. Your stock goes down 20, 30%, cut it. Set a stop loss underneath, find the supply and demand zones underneath the stock price and sell it once it hits that point. I actually got stopped out of Tesla stock. I bought Tesla stock at 260 and it had gone up to, I think, 380 or something. So I, I was thinking, I'm the man. 
you know, because it was literally all in one year. I think it was all in like a, a six month period of time. I'd bought Tesla at two sixty something. It had shot up like a couple months later at three eighty. I think I'm thinking I'm the man. I'm looking at Rolexes and all this other stuff. And then the stock starts retracing. Okay, it starts coming back, and I look at a level, and I'm like, ah, if it breaks this level, it's going to go down. Um, go d- keep going down. And so I was actually stopped out of my Tesla stock. I still got a couple shares left. I didn't sell at all. But at a three hundred dollar, you know, it's three hundred dollar. It's a three hundred dollar stock. So, um, you know, I'm still I'm not that old. I'm thirty five years old. So it's not like my portfolio is millions and millions and millions of dollars. Um, so, you know, you got to rebalance and, and keep the, and high flying stocks like that. You've got to be careful of. I've got other stocks that, that are down. I've got you know limited brands and uh, Conical Phillips. I bought a little too early. Um, Starbucks, I think I'm about break even on Verizon was one that I bought and went down eight, nine, 10% that I, you know, I end up holding onto those stocks. A lot of those stocks play a dividend, but, um, you know, cut your losers early, let your winners run is, uh, you know, uh, I think better advice in the stock market, but bump up your stops is what I call it. So you've got a stock like Tesla. I bought it at 260. I remember I kept bumping up my stop loss. So it went up to 300. I think I had it at 280. Then it went up to like 320. I put it at 300. Then it went up to 360. I bumped it up to 320 or so. Then the stock went all the way up to 390 or something. And I bump, kept bumping my stops, stop losses up, keep bumping up, bumping up, bumping up. Finally, the stock, the stock reverses course. And I, I look at my phone and it's like, you sold eight shares of Tesla for, uh, you know, 340 something dollars. So, um, you know, the, that's really a good, I don't know how it got on this subject, but that's really a, a wise decision. If, you know, if you're in there really actively kind of trading your stocks or kind of monitoring them, here we are at all time highs on the stock market. It's probably good, good form. But, um, you know, I like to, I like to let the winners just keep running and running and running until they, they kind of reverse course and kind of prove to the market or prove on the price action wise that they've reversed course. And then if you get stopped out of them, it's no big deal. You can come back in there and rebuy, um, which, which ultimately I'll probably end up doing at some point. Moving on. Now that we're talking about stocks, we'll move on. Uh, Panini Prism made Panini's website crash. I actually like experienced this. I was like seeing all these people at, like really frustrated with Panini and really frustrated with it. And so I wanted to check it out. So I did try to buy a box or two. I think I was actually on a walk. So I was just kind of refreshing on my phone, trying to buy a box. And I did get to the point where I would like put in a credit card and, you know, hit, hit send payment or whatever. And it always kind of kick you back. Uh, back into a loop of like adding it into your card and adding your address and just this like endless loop. And so they certainly had uh, website issues. I think honestly, uh, and I know some companies actually practice this where they, they like want their website to crash. They want there to be this kind of like, uh, you know, this, this idea of feverish demand. And I think in some cases it, it could be a marketing strategy. Uh, but I did see a lot of like negative reaction, 
uh, from people. I think a lot of them were, were more bummed that they didn't get their boxes, that they thought, you know, oh, I'm going to buy these boxes for 120 bucks and, and go flip them immediately on eBay for, for 300 or I'm going to, you know, open them up and, and pull all these cool Lonzo Ball cards or whatever it is. I think people were probably more bummed about that. And then when they, when they started having trouble with the website, they, they kind of blame their, blame their troubles on Panini. But I still think a, a more effective strategy for Panini in this case would have been to create kind of some marketing buzz around a lottery on some of the, you know, you don't have to do this on all the first off the line stuff, but stuff like this prism was so obvious where it was like $120 box and it's like going to sell all day long for probably two, two fifty, maybe even higher than that. I really don't know, but I, I guarantee you that stuff selling for over $200 a box. I can imagine. I think on something like that, where it's like so obvious and where the demand is going to be so heavy, I think what I would rather do with Panini is actually create like, um, you know, maybe a couple weeks long of like buzz where you're going to hold a lottery for those. So it's like, come to our website, come to our app, enter your email address. And then you'll be entered into a lottery for a chance to buy call it two boxes or, or, or however they decide to allocate it after the lottery would be up to them. But I think uh, for me, if I was running a company, I think I'd rather have that experience for my customer than, hey, everybody come to my website at 10 Eastern time and blow it up and have this horrible experience of it failing or you having to sit there for hours and hours and hours trying to get a box and you don't end up getting a box or you see other people get a box and it kind of makes you bummed out. I think what I would rather have as an experience for my customers, if I was Panini, would be Hey, come to our website. Come get these first off the line boxes for an amazingly low price, 120. This is, you know, an incredibly low price and you're not going to be able to find this price anywhere else. Uh, you know, and the, there's exclusive parallels in here. There's Lonzo Ball, whatever. Enter into our lottery. And Nike does this actually with their shoes with um, not all their shoes, but the really, really hot releases, they do the exact same thing on their app where it's, you know, the, 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 what, what Nike actually does is there's a time set for the lottery opens. And then there's a time when the lottery ends. And really they only do it for like an hour and a half or two hours, or it's not a long window where they allow you to, to enter this lottery. So you enter the lottery and then they tell you uh, within an hour or two, whether or not you, you quote unquote won the op opportunity to buy the sneakers. And so I think if I were Panini going forward, I think I would rather have that experience for my customer where it's, Hey, come here, give me your email address, give me your phone number, whatever it is. And, and what the reason, the other reason why I'd rather do that is Panini, then you could remarket all these people. Look at all these people that came to their website and didn't give Panini any information or all, or really didn't give Panini really anything other than maybe some website clicks. Whereas if I would have, you know, I would have put my email, I'm going to put like three or four emails, you know, into their system. So now they could be marketing me with a newsletter or marketing me with, you know, oh, we're sorry you didn't win the prism box. Maybe here's a nut, you know, I think what would be really wise, Panini has first off the line boxes. Well, send me a, hey, we're sorry you didn't win the opportunity to get these first off the line boxes. Here's some 
open any instant cards that you can buy. Here's some blaster boxes of this product you can buy. Here it is on our website. It's not the first off the line version, but here it is at full retail price on our website. Or what Panini could do is have a, a quote unquote partner, a blowout or, or a, you know, DA Card World or, or, or one of these other sites or, or a breaker even um, where it's like that person could pay Panini where it's like, hey, and, you know, send all the quote unquote losers over to my site and I'll sell them uh, you know, something else. I think I'd, I'd much rather prefer that. Um, t- that marketing technique, marketing tactic, if I was Panini, then, hey, everybody come to my website because I was hearing people were like calling Panini. So Panini's customer service got blown up on that day through email and telephone. Their website got blown up. So that means they, they, they probably put pressure on their, um, their, their web hosting service or, or and their, their, their IT department. I don't think they have an IT department, but uh, on their IT providers, probably a better way to put it. So, um, you know, and all for what, you know, and look at all the net, I saw a lot of negative, negative response to, to, to this. Um, so in some ways I think for Panini, it was good. It drove some interest. It showed that there's a lot of interest in these basketball cards, which is not surprising if you, you know, if you're not a Lonzo ball hater or big baller brand hater or whatever, you know, let's be real. All this demand and all this interest is because of Lonzo ball. People aren't buying these boxes and paying a triple premium for the, I can't even remember the Fulton or whatever, Fultz or whatever, got drafted by the Sixers. He's sitting on the bench. Jason Tatum, I think, got hurt too. I mean, I think people are mildly excited about his cards, but not to the extent uh, Lonzo Ball and the attention that Lonzo Ball is getting. So again, I think if I was Panini, I'd much rather have a different experience for my customer um, whenever these a situation arises. I think in most cases, most scenarios, the hey, come to our website at 10 p.m., you know, 10 a.m. Eastern time and buy the box. I think in most cases that works. But when it's you know, you know for a fact the demand is going to be overwhelming. Um, I think I would do it differently. And companies like Nike and Adidas and a lot of these other companies have developed strategies that are far better, um, you know, lottery strategies. And, and certainly like on Ticketmaster, if I've experienced this and, and, and trying to buy lots of different things online, there's other techniques, other strategies that work better than just come to our website, make it crash. And if you buy, if you, if you're able to get through our servers and our system and buy it, you're one of the lucky ones. I don't think that's a positive experience. I don't think that's a, you know, it's a negative experience for a lot of these people. Do they want to do that again? Like, do they want to relive the experience? I saw people saying, hey, I was late for work or I didn't go to work or, you know, I, I, you know, I didn't go to class or whatever it is, or I wasted three hours doing this. I don't think you want to have people do that over and over and over again. It ends up being a really poor experience, a negative experience. A much, much, much more positive experience would be to do a lottery, and then you get that person's information, whether it's uh, you can text, you know, send them text message marketing, maybe get people to download the app. You know, In order to enter the lottery, you got to download the app. So it's a great way to get downloads for your app, which is hard to do anyways. Um, you know, you know, you can enter the lottery on the app. You can enter your lottery by following us on Twitter, following us on Facebook, following on Instagram. You could get all these uh, touch points with your customer by doing a lottery. And then if they don't win, 
you can market them again and again and again and again and again and again. That to me would be way, way more effective. You can just tell. You can tell the people that run Panini, I, I don't know what school they went to, if they even studied marketing or if they even pay attention to, to what other companies are doing and not Tops. I'm not talking about what Tops does for marketing or what, uh, what Upper Deck does for marketing. Though we're, we're talking about the bottom of the barrel in terms of marketing ability. Look at what Nike's doing for marketing. Look at what Tesla does for, for marketing. Look at what, uh, you know, gosh, the, the, look at what Big Baller Brand does uh, for marketing. A lot of other companies that are marketing themselves way, way better than Topps, Panini, Upper Deck. I wouldn't look to them for marketing inspiration. And I think if these companies did that, they would provide a better experience for you, the customer. You'd be more opt to come back or more to try it again and again and again. Because, guys, I've entered at least a dozen of these Nike lotteries for $1,000 shoes or $500 pair of Jordans. I haven't won a single one. Literally, I've never, I've always gotten the, the message, uh, the, the push notification, sorry, you didn't win. Hey, I don't feel that bad. I keep entering them. I've actually bought, I've ended up going uh, back and buying more shoes there. In fact, I was, my wife actually needed a pair of shoes. Unfortunately, they, they weren't going to be able to arrive the day she needed them. So we're going to have to go to the store and buy them. But I was going to go back to Nike.com and buy more shoes in part because I've touched their website so many times trying to enter a contest to win a $1,000 pair of shoes. Or it's not even like a contest. It's win the right to buy a $1,000 pair of shoes or $700 pair of self-lacing shoes or or whatever. The, uh, uh, you know, Drake's uh, Jordans or whatever. So much, much better ways to do this. But hey, you know, it does show that there's a lot of interest in the, these basketball cards and the basketball market in particular, it, it should be really strong uh, the rest of the year. No matter what uh, Lonzo Ball does, I think, he, you know, he's had some games where he struggled. He's had some games where he had a game where he got a triple-double. I think that's going to be his, his rookie year. He's going to have some games where he looks really bad. He's going to have some games where he looks really good. And, um, you know, I think a lot of people have the misconception about him that he's, he's going to be a score. I don't look, I don't see him as a player that's ever, ever in his whole career. I don't ever see Lonzo ball ever averaging more than 17, 18 points a game. That, that might actually be high. Oh, I don't ever see a, a year or two where he'll average more than 17 or 18 points a game, but for the Lakers to be successful, they don't need him to do that. They need him to rebound. They need him to get other players involved. I see Kyle Kuzma as a guy that will, I think he's already averaging over 17 points a game or 15 points a game. He's a guy easily that could average 20 points a game. Brandon Ingram, another guy, easily could average over 20 points a game. The Lakers will probably sign a free agent at some point, whether it's LeBron James or Paul George. That, that'll then, again, will easily average over 20 points a game. You don't need Lonzo Ball to average over 20 points a game, and that's not why the Lakers drafted them. And for so for a lot of you guys out there that aren't Laker fans or, or Laker haters or LeVar Ball haters or Big Baller brand haters, 
I think you, you, you might not, it's kind of like the people that hate on Trump. You don't understand how people could like him or vote for him or, you know, it's because you don't, you don't get it. You don't understand. You're not in that mindset and then that's fine. But understand that Laker fans, diehard Laker fans, fans of the Lakers like me, who've been watching them since the eighties, realize very quickly like watching Summer League, again, I actually went to Las Vegas and saw uh, Lonzo Ball's first two games in Las Vegas. I realized very quickly, this is a guy that distributes the ball, passes, gets other people involved, and is not a big turnover machine. I think he's going to have nights where he turns it over, but he's not a turnover machine, okay? But he's not going to be a 20 point a game score. And I think a lot of people are, are coming to grips with that or, or think that, that that's what people expect out of them. That's not what we expected out of Alonzo ball. We're not expecting him to average more than 10 points a game, honestly. And again, I don't, I would bet right now over and under 17 points a game uh, for his career under way under, he's not going to be a big time scorer in this league. And again, for the Lakers to be successful, the Lakers to win game, I know a lot of you guys, if you don't root for the Lakers, you haven't experienced a lot of winning in the NBA, unless you're a Cavs fan or a Miami Heat fan or a Spurs fan. Not a lot of other teams have won championships over the last 20 or 30 years. You literally have just a small handful of teams that have won championships in the NBA over the last 20 years. It's like the Bulls, the Spurs, the Rockets, the Celtics, the Lakers, the Heat, the Cavs, the Warriors. It's not a lot of teams, you know? And so the Lakers want to win championships. We want to win championships. We don't want our guys to win scoring titles, okay? We've had times when Kobe's won scoring titles and we've won 25 games, okay? Trust me, you remember the seasons when Kobe didn't average that many points and you had Pau Gasol and Andrew Bynum and you had Shaq and you had Rick Fox and Derek Fisher, Byron Scott. You remember those years more than when guys were filling it up and you had Cedric Sabalos or Nick Van Exel or whatever losing a bunch of games but having stats, okay? So I fully expect the uh, basketball market to be really strong this year. Um, and again, I think Lonzo Ball is going to be hit or miss. You'll have some of these other, the, these other rookies that will be – you know, the one guy that I think is not getting a lot of attention – is uh, De'Aaron Fox for uh, the Kings. I've seen him play just a handful of times. I haven't seen his last four or five games, but the first couple games I saw, the Kings were like playing veteran players. It's like the coach is worried about his job or like the Kings have this weird, weird idea that they need to win games right now. I'd be, I'd be having those 20-year-old kids play, 18, 19, 20-year-old kids be playing. Not, not They had like Vince Carter in the game and like some of these other old players. I was like, what are the Kings doing? I mean, this is the reason why they've sucked. Uh, but I was impressed with his game and whether or not he, he gets any traction there in Sacramento, I, I don't know, but I see him as a player um, that I was very impressed with. 
and thought he was a really, really good player. Could could drive it to the basket, could pass a little bit, um, could shoot a little bit. Really, as his strength was kind of getting to the basket. But um, I really liked his game, and so he's kind of like uh, maybe a guy nobody's really talking a whole lot about uh, that that I think could be could be decent, maybe year two, year three, because I think he's only like nineteen years old or something like that. So. And I think a lot of you guys, uh, a lot of you guys, baseball guy. I had people like this week throwing me out stats and and, and comparing uh, Kobe Bryant, throwing me stats for Kobe Bryant, and throwing you know, basketball is not baseball. A guy that bats three hundred in the major leagues, I can take him off the Giants and go put him on the Cubs, and he's probably going to bat about three hundred. You know, you take a pitcher out of, you know, there's a pitcher's a little bit different because you got ballparks and maybe different leagues or whatever. But in baseball, you know, you can just kind of look at the numbers. That's not the case with basketball. I think a lot of you guys are making that mistake, evaluating whether it's uh, Lonzo Ball or some of these other rookies. You're like looking at their stats and you're like geeking out on that. That's not what the NBA is about, especially when you're 19 or 20 years old. That, that's the most important thing. Okay, if Lonzo Ball is 24 years old, okay, we'd be having a different conversation. But he's 20 years old. There's a reason why Kyle Kuzma, who spent four years, I think he spent four years in college, is averaging 15, 16 points a game. It's because he's, he's older. And those of you that, that are young enough to remember, maybe young enough at that age right now, there's a big difference between, between being 20 years old and 21, 22, 23. Those years in your life, you may make like leaps and bounds in terms of maturity and strength and, and perspective on life. And so as Lonzo Ball gets a little bit older, I think his game's only going to become more refined and uh, more beneficial, uh, certainly for the Lakers. Last sports card topic, we'll talk a little, just really quickly, uh, briefly about 2018 football. I'm really excited about this, uh, pr- primarily because I think we've got four quarterbacks at the top that I think are going to be excellent, excellent uh, prospects. I don't know how well, uh, I, I can't predict how great a quarterbacks are going to be. But I think coming in, there's going to be a decent amount of hype around these players. So um, I think a lot of people are, for whatever reason, are assuming that Sam Darnold, the quarterback for USC, is going to be the number one pick. I don't see that. I actually see him, in my eyes, as actually being the fourth-ranked. I would actually rank him closer to the fourth-ranked quarterback. Uh, the, the By far and away, for me, the number one-ranked quarterback Coming in to 2018 will be the quarterback from UCLA, Josh Rosen. Now, I know he's had a concussion. I think he's had some other injuries that's nagged him actually the last two years. But I think if he comes out of this year healthy, again, that's the the key for him. If he comes out of uh, 2017 healthy and comes into the 2018 NFL draft healthy, I see him as the number one quarterback. And if a team drafts somebody else, uh, one of these other quarterbacks over him, I'd be rather surprised. Very, very surprised. He, to me, looks like uh, the real deal to me and uh, can throw on the run a little bit. It's not a gunslinger like Baker Mayfield from Oklahoma, who we'll talk about in a second, but he can move around. Reminds me, um, you know, Josh Rosen, if Aaron Rodgers and we'll call it Tom Brady, if Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady had a baby, it'd be Josh Rosen. Okay, he can stand in the pocket and throw. He can move out a little bit and throw. Not quite as good as Aaron Rodgers, 
but he can do it better than Tom Brady. So it's almost like if Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady morphed, you'd get a little bit of Josh Rosen. So I'm very excited about him, but has tremendous, if you watch him drop back in the pocket, his footwork's really nice. He can like really, he's very accurate and uh, is a uh, is a leader. I've seen him come back. I think he led the one of the bigger comebacks. It was like one of the first games of the year against Texas A&M, I think it was. Uh, I mean, they, they were down by like 40 or something like that. And I think I had like Texas A&M plus five and Texas A&M was like up 40. And I was like, oh, that, this is like you know, outright winner. And then it was like really close at the end. I think they even lost the game, but they ended up covering. But uh, it just goes to show you, Rosen can come back and win games. And I, it's not like UCLA is like stacked up with talent at, at any position. So really like Rosen. I, I see him for whatever reason, my instincts tell me he'll be the number one uh, quarterback off the board. After that, it probably depends on what team is evaluating what that team needs. You got Lamar Jackson from, I think it's uh, Louisville. And he is, if like Cam Newton and Michael Vick had a baby, it would be Lamar Jackson. This guy is uh, very talented. I'd be very, for me personally, I'd be really excited if my team drafted him because he's kind of that. He's very high risk, high reward. We haven't seen a ton of these uh, mobile quarterbacks really do a whole lot. I know we had Cam Newton in a Super Bowl uh, not too long ago, a year or two ago. But other than that, honestly, we haven't seen like that mobile quarterback really do a whole lot. Um, I know, you know, Robert Griffin the third burnt out faster than uh, you know a candle um, or a match or whatever. And you've had some other guys kind of hit or miss. Uh, Lamar Jackson is pretty good, though. The guy can stand in there and throw, and I've actually seen improvement in that sense. And he can always take off and run. So I think in the right circumstance, I'd really love him, uh, depending on where he goes. And certainly, you see the Browns selecting uh, one of these uh, four quarterbacks that I'm going to talk about. The third quarterback could be, again, a toss-up between the quarterback from USC, Darnold, or Baker Mayfield from Oklahoma. I prefer... I would prefer if if it was me, uh, Baker Mayfield, because he is like is if Aaron Rodgers and like Brett Favre had a baby. This guy is kind of like he could can move around the field. He uh, is a mobile quarterback. I think that will translate well to a team that doesn't have a very good offensive line. Knock on wood, maybe the Bengals uh, decide to move on from their quarterback, who's a loser, um, and actually tries to draft a winner who could be Baker Mayfield. Um, finally, you have the USC quarterback, who uh, reminds me a lot of Carson Palmer, who looks really good, who people are going to say is really good, but throw, is really good at throwing it to the other team, or are really good at turning the ball over, and not that big of a winner. I think he's going to win some games and be a solid quarterback, but for me, I'd rather have the other three quarterbacks before him. How the NFL teams end up evaluating these guys, I don't know. How injuries and, and interviews and uh, you know off-the-field stuff impacts these guys, I don't know. It's also we got draft positioning. I was really surprised when the 49ers traded a second round pick for Garoppolo. For me, that was like, whoa, what are you guys, what are you guys doing? You could have you guys are gonna have the top pick anyways. Why are you trying to trade for a quarterback? Um, but maybe the Niners are, I, I think what we could see next year is actually 
um, a lot of trading out. I could see that we we have some quarterbacks at the top of the draft, and I, I could see some some trading out of the the top pick. I certainly see the Niners. Uh, the Niners actually probably if Garoppolo looks decent. I could see the Niners that actually being uh, maybe a more effective strategy for the Niners than going with a Josh Rosen or a Lamar Jackson or something. But because um, the Niners need, they have so many injuries and stuff, they they probably could use more picks than than one one particular player. But um, I certainly see the Browns. Um, you, you know, probably going after one of these quarterbacks. I don't know who some of the other bad teams are in the NFL, but the Bills probably need a quarterback. The Jets need a quarterback. There's a lot of teams that are going to want a quarterback, need a quarterback. I could see we have a, a run on quarterbacks very, very early in the NFL draft next year, and that could set up a, a wonderful 2018 card market where you have, again, I rattled off four quarterbacks. I honestly could see... All four going in easily, the top 10. I could see all four going in the top five. Uh, I, again, I am not aware of the d- defensive backs or in, you know the defensive ends that tend to get drafted high or offensive, line, offensive linemen and defensive ends tend to get drafted really high. Um, I, and, and occasionally receivers as well. I don't think there's any of those really, really top-end wide receivers uh, coming out this year. Um, but... I literally could see four quarterbacks taken in the top five picks of the 2018 draft, which would literally, because a lot of you guys don't follow college football, a lot of you guys don't know, couldn't tell who Josh Rosen was if he walked down the street. Um, so the minute these guys get drafted really high, you guys' you guys' dick is immediately going to get hard, and you're going to think they're the, the next coming of Joe Montana, and, and certainly that's what these teams and, and, and analysts and, and other people are going to be, and certainly breakers and, and card guys are going to be trying to tell you. Um, but I'm telling you right now, I certainly could see a scenario where you have four quarterbacks taken Easily, easily in the top 10, but I, I could see a very unique scenario where four quarterbacks go off the board almost consecutively at the top of the draft, which would, which would, which rarely happens. Oftentimes you have two, like you had Andrew Luck and Robert Griffin. Um, and there's been other, I think there's been maybe a few other cases in, in that sense. Uh, this is one of those years where, I could see all four of those guys being rated very highly. And uh, certainly Josh Rosen is certainly going to be near the top. I think Lamar Jackson, I think um, people are going to find ways to nitpick and reasons not to pick him, but um, there's going to be a team out there that that has him rated than than anybody they have on their roster. And I think a lot of teams are going to be in that situation where they look at these four quarterbacks and they're going to say, this guy's better than who we have, and so if we can trade up, that'd be good. Or if we, uh, and and certainly if a team's up there, and maybe like the Niners that already have Garoppolo, maybe a team signs or trades for McCarron, or um, you know you have a situation where maybe the Bengals are up there and they decide to trade back for a team that needs it. Um, it, it I really honestly see that happening, and it kind of really makes for an interesting 2018 football season. Finally. That's about it for the sports card topics. We'll quickly uh, transition into our Make America Great Again. If you do not want to make 
America great again. And by the by the 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 tenor of my Twitter feed is probably most of you. Most of you guys are flaming liberals and uh, you know think that uh, getting free health care and uh, a free cell phone and having people pour in from from other countries to work for for five dollars an hour is beneficial for you. A lot of you guys think this. A lot of you guys are probably also under the impression that Barack Obama did a lot for you. He actually did not. Search it on the internet right now. 95% of the economic gains, and Barack Obama admitted this himself. This is not fake news. This is not on Breitbart or Fox News. This was on CNN. I actually found a link to this on CNN. Cal Berkeley, okay, Cal Berkeley not known for being a conservative-leaning uh, college. In fact, it's actually the mo- probably considered the most liberal college in the world. Cal Berkeley did a study. 95%, not 0.95, not 9.5, 95% of Barack Obama's economic gains did not go to black people, did not go to the middle class, did not go to the poor, did not go to you, the card fondler, sitting at home with mom and dad. It went to the 1%, 95% of the economic gains during Barack Obama's tenure, went to the 1%. So if you're sitting at home wondering why you don't make more money than you did eight years ago, nine years ago, now you know why. You probably didn't invest in the stock market. You didn't start your own business. You didn't funnel money overseas. You didn't hire overseas workers, which is exactly what the 1% did over the last eight years. They invested in risk assets, the stock market, They took their money out of the bank. They hired overseas workers. And they avoided paying taxes. And 95% of the gains, economic gains during Barack Obama, who was supposed to be the man of change, man of the people, man of the middle class, man to help minorities. Folks, he did none of that. He helped the 1%. In fact, uh, you know, Barack Obama's, some of his biggest accomplishments was bailing out Wall Street. Actually, that was like the first thing he did. Bailed out the banks, the big banks. Bailed out Bank of America, AIG. Wells Fargo. Goldman Sachs. Et cetera, et cetera. They all got trillions of dollars. He actually took your taxpayer money and bailed them out. Second thing he did was bail out the car industry. He lent Tesla millions and millions and millions of dollars. The government under Barack Obama actually bought General Motors. So General Motors at one time was uh, uh, you, the taxpayer, you actually owned General Motors. The federal tax credits for uh, buying $100,000 Tesla cars went into effect. So to buy a Tesla, you get like, a, I don't know, a $7,000 uh, tax refund or something like that. That, again, was a liberal policy, and it benefited the 1%, the people that can afford $100,000 cars and Tesla stock. This is why the benefits went to those people and not to you, the middle class person working your average job, working as a teacher or policeman 
or working uh, whatever it might be. Maybe you were actually in college at the time and you've come out and you've figured out that the max you can make is $45,000, $60,000 a year and that's about what you can make. You can thank your last president for that. He did absolutely nothing for you. If you tried to uh, invest in small banks, regional banks as they call them, those have all dried up. You may have noticed that a lot of the smaller banks, the not the Bank of America, the Wells Fargo's, the uh, those types of banks have all most of them. I mean, there's still a few here, here and there, that serve their niche, but far less than there was uh, eight, nine years ago. All those banks have dried up because of again liberal regulation that requires banks to have. Uh, it's called the Dodd Frank uh, regulation that required banks to have more cash on hand. Having more cash on hand doesn't hurt a bank like Bank of America or Wells Fargo. It hurts those smaller banks that only have four or five branches or that were regional. So that's why those banks have long closed and are gone. So those jobs have dried up and has made banking a far um, better industry for the big banks who don't have to pay tellers any money and it's less competitive on the, the lending side and all that. So tax reform is being floated around. I think it was passed today in the House. It'll go to the Senate, and we'll probably have a back and forth a little bit, and we'll see how it goes. Hopefully, um, in my opinion, hopefully it goes through. I think tax, tax reform is much needed in this country. Um, I, I, the other thing I find funny is that uh, people often complain you know, people like Trump uh, doesn't pay taxes, doesn't release his tax returns because we don't want to see how little he pays. And then when he passes or when he proposes and uh, primarily Republicans pass a or actually Republicans pass a tax reform bill, everybody says you're now cutting taxes on the wealthy who, again, six months ago, you guys were saying these people don't pay taxes and now we're cutting their taxes. So I don't know how that works. If rich people weren't paying their taxes, I don't see how Republicans could cut them, but I guess that's what's happening as well. Ultimately, you could benefit if you're listening to this show, whether you're broke or whether you're a young student or whether you have a lot of money or a decent amount of money or you just have a little extra money, you could benefit. Instead of sitting around and complaining, sitting around and saying this tax break is not for the middle class. It won't be for me. Well, maybe it could be for you because the corporate tax rate is going to go from 30%, 35%. Of course, if you look at the effective tax rate, I think I was looking at today, like Under Armour uh, as a corporation, a lot of you guys are probably familiar with, they paid 5% Effective tax, okay? This is a company that Under Armour makes 80%. Yes, they're a global brand, global company, but 80% of their sales are here in the United States. And they paid a 5%, paid a 5% effective tax rate, okay? How, how that works, I don't know. They've had like four different CFOs, so I don't really think it's their doing. But um, now, now Under Armour, I'm sure, pays... Uh, 
you know, sales tax and, and some other taxes that, that they really can't avoid. But in terms of corporate, you know, federal tax, they pay 5%. And, and quite frankly, if you read, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with Nike as well. I think they're like in the 8% range. But there are some other companies that, um, that, that do pay, you know, 20, 30%. They really can't, um, you know, avoid a lot of these taxes. Or, or you know, some years they're paying 8 some years they're paying 15 You can benefit there. Not not getting a job. Don't think you're going to go work at Under Armour. Go think, uh, go work at Nike or something. If you want to, that's fine. But you can easily benefit from lower corporate taxes because a year ago at this time, when Donald Trump won the presidency, everybody except for me, and if very smart, actually not except for me. I actually got my opinion on what would happen to the economy from Economist. Imagine that. If you listen to ESPN, or not ESPN, if you listen to CNN and even Fox News or MSNBC, a lot of these people that have liberal study degrees or communications degrees or uh, Middle Eastern basket weaving degrees, I'm sure Rachel Maddow was not sat through an economics course. I'm sure Chris Matthews has never sat through an economics class. I'm sure Jake Tapper didn't take economics class in college. So shame on you if you're now listening to these same people tell you what's going to happen to the economy or to your taxes. These people are not CPAs. These people are not tax experts. These people are not economists. Again, these are communication majors. These are liberal studies majors. These are women studies majors. These are, uh, you know, South African uh, religious study majors. These people know nothing about taxes, especially your own taxes. So I encourage any of you out there, don't make the same mistake. Okay, we've had a year go by that Donald Trump was president, okay? Don't make the same mistake over the next year where you sit around and all you do is mope around and say, oh, this is, this is he's only going to help his, his millionaire, billionaire buddies. He's only going to help the corporations. Well, ding dong, knock, 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 guys. Guess what you can do? You can open up a Charles Schwab account you can open up a Robinhood is actually what I what I use to trade. I mean, I have four or five accounts, a couple different banks uh, or brokers or whatever. But the, the, you know, when I just want to buy a couple shares here and there, hundred bucks, two hundred bucks here and there, I, I pop open my Robinhood account because it's free. And so buying two, three shares at a time is actually uh, you know you're not getting eaten up by commissions. But I think right now. I think it's Fidelity and uh, Schwab are kind of the lowest on the per trade. But I think they're down to like four ninety five a trade. That's like nothing. Even if you're doing like $100, $200 here and there, that's nothing. When you're investing in the stock market, you are doing what the 1% does with their money. The 1% doesn't do anything with their money that you can't do. I think that's what a lot of people don't understand. Sure, yeah, Warren Buffett has a lot of money. Sure, uh, some of these millionaires have lots of money. And they can leverage it a little bit better than you. But it doesn't mean that you can't benefit either. 
doesn't mean that you can't take your $100, $200, $1,000, $5,000, whatever it is, and benefit. Because again, look what Barack Obama did for you. He did nothing for you. Yeah, maybe he gave you some health care that's probably gone up in price every year since he gave it to you. But did your wage go up? Did, did your wages go up? Have you found that instead of working full-time, now you're working part-time? Or you have to work two part-time jobs now to make what you were making full-time? Well, that's because you got free health care. And employers don't want to have to pay for your health care. So they hire you part-time and let you get on Obamacare. That's why there's all kinds of part-time jobs available. You go work part-time anywhere. Everywhere I go, literally everywhere I go. I was at AutoZone today buying windshield wipers. Now hiring. I was at the donut store. Now hiring. I was at Target the other day. Hiring. Home Depot. Hiring. They're all hiring part-time. No benefits. That's because of Obamacare. None of these companies mind hiring you for whatever it is, $12 an hour, $15 an hour. They don't mind hiring you for that because they don't have to pay you any health care. So yeah, maybe it's helped uh, drive unemployment down because everybody can kind of have a job. But I guarantee you, if you're in that boat, if you don't have any special skills, you're not making any more money today than you were eight years ago, nine years ago. Making no more money than you were. Whereas the rich, they're buying the, the new Model S. They bought a, a Tesla every other year. They've gone from having one mansion to three. So, you know, instead of thinking like a broke person, thinking like a CNN anchor, thinking like a, an MSNBC anchor, who, again, majored in communications, majored in Middle Eastern religious study basket weaving, you need to start thinking like the 1%. Think like the rich. Think like Donald Trump. Are, are you going to turn $1,000 into a million dollars overnight? Absolutely not. Nobody does that. But you can certainly take your $100 and turn it into $300. And then take that $300 and turn it into $450. Then turn $450 into $800. And then into $1,000. Then into $1,200. And you can slowly grind that up. And, and eventually have some financial security. Because you're going to need that. Because no matter what happens, no matter what happens, if you're my age... Around my age, again, I'm 35 years old. If you're around my age, and especially if you're younger, you're not going to get Social Security. You're not going to get Medicare. The money's not going to be there. It's already spent. It's already gone. I saw floating around today that Donald Trump's tax plan is going to add $1.5 trillion to the deficit. That's if we don't get growth in the economy, which I actually think we'll get. But at the same time, I think those estimates are always under. I fully expect Donald Trump's tax plan to add to the deficit. Guess what? Over eight years, Barack Obama added more to the deficit than all the other presidents before him combined. That's not something the, you know, Rachel Maddow is going to tell you. That's not something Jake Tapper or 
any of those other talking lunatics are going to tell you. They're going to tell you, oh, this is for the tax cuts are for the rich people and you don't benefit. And 95% of what Barack Obama did didn't benefit you. You think Donald Trump's going to throw you a bone? I mean, you got to be got to be dumber than th- these Middle Eastern basket weaving, you know, commentators that feed you this junk. Again, if Barack Obama didn't throw you a bone and o- 95% of what he did went to the 1%, you really think Donald Trump's going to be any different? You think any of these politicians are going to be any different? Of course not. Look who supports the Democrats, Warren Buffett, George Soros, or whatever his name is. Some of the richest people in the world, Richard Branson, raving Democrat, all these guys. They donate all their money to Democrats because the Democrats are awesome, amazing at convincing the middle class and the poor, that they care about you. Oh, here's a free cell phone. Here's a, you know, a $2 a month gold plan health care. We'll, we'll fight to raise the minimum wage so you make even less money because employers will, will actually work you less. The more wages go up, they'll actually work you less. There's a reason, guys and girls listening right now, there's a reason why the stock market defied everything that almost everybody was telling you. Unless you, again, you either listen to me, who was listening to economists. Economists were, I I listened to podcasts with economists and they were saying the whole time last year when Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump were going back and forth that Donald Trump, the stock market would go up and up and up if Donald Trump managed to win. And, uh, uh, you know, everybody thought it was a long shot, including myself a little bit, most of the time, up until the end, when it was, it was very apparent that it was very close. And it could go either way. Everybody on CNBC, MSNBC, everybody was telling you, oh, the stock market's going to crash Whereas if you knew who to listen to, actually people that study taxes, study economics, they were telling you the exact opposite. And I'm telling you the facts right now. Donald Trump's tax plan can benefit you if you want it to. His economic policy can benefit you if you want it to. If you want to sit around and get on Twitter and complain and rant and rave and stick up for immigrants that you don't know, that you wouldn't invite into your house. If you want to stick up for those people, you want to stick up for transgenders and gay people and lesbians and black people and Mexicans and Asians, you want to, you know, you want to have kumbaya hour with all of them, go ahead. You could be doing the same thing with a lot more money in your bank account 
if you start listening to people that know the economy, that are tax experts, that know how to grow money, grow wealth, not some already wealthy commentator who's spewing liberal politics onto you because they know that's what you want to hear. I'd much rather be sitting at home with a loaded bank account, not worried about money, than be listening to some Rachel Maddow person tell me, oh God, isn't it great we, we have you know, 50,000 immigrants from Zimbabwe coming in this year. Isn't it amazing that we don't travel ban these people? Maybe for some of you guys out there, you'd rather be sitting there eating a bag of peanuts for dinner, not knowing how you're going to pay your, pay your insurance or your cell phone bill or your next month rent. You'd, you'd rather be worrying about those, those 45,000 people coming in from Syria or not building a wall or whatever it is or banning assault weapons or whatever. You're more worried about that. But for, for me, as somebody who eight years ago, when Barack Obama was elected president, I was eating bag, bag of peanuts and bags of chips for dinner. I, I was probably three months behind on my rent. I didn't have any money. I couldn't get a job. Nobody could, for that matter. When I didn't have any money, I didn't listen to anchors on CNN about the economy on taxes. I didn't turn on Rachel Maddow and and learn how Barack Obama was going to turn my life around. I went to the library and bought books. I started watching Bloomberg and CNBC. I started, that was when I started listening to podcasts about economics and the economy. I started taking interest in investing in the stock market that just happened to be crashing around the same time and going down tremendously month after month after month. And I remember opening up a, at the time, it was called ShareBuilder. Now it's owned by Capital One, Capital One Investing. Another uh, Obama-era thank you. You know, you have Capital One absorbing, you know, big banks like Capital One absorbing you know, smaller companies like ShareBuilder. Consolidation within the industry. I remember starting my first Capital One, you know, at that it was, it was ShareBuilder. I remember starting my first account with $20, okay? This was at a time when I probably only had maybe $60 in my bank account. I remember actually, I I actually remember depositing my first $20 and being like, wow, that's a lot of money. Wow, I could probably use that $20 for something else, okay? And And I always say this, and I'm not joking, but, but it, it, it kind of represents what I've gone through over the last eight years. But eight years ago, nine years ago, 
eight years ago, actually, I was driving a 1979 Mercedes that was my grandma's. And I wasn't even driving it because gas was $5.55 a gallon and I couldn't afford that. So I was really just, it was really parked in my driveway. But I was driving a 1979 Mercedes that was my grandma's, that was given to me for free. I was living in an apartment to where I was probably two months behind on rent. And pro- I, I do recall, I think I left and never paid it, okay? I probably had a $100 electricity bill that I never paid. I was that broke, okay? Eight years later, and I had a job. The only time I had a job over those eight years was for three months. For three months, I took a job at a, uh, essentially a, a web marketing company. For three months, only three months I've had a job over the last eight years. Three months I've worked at a job. Now I have a 2013 Mercedes, very nice car, $70,000 car. It's running out of gas as we speak, in fact. So I'll be filling that up. It's a 20-gallon tank. So at $3, $4 a gallon, you can imagine how much that is to fill that up. Insurance is not cheap on it. I have to put tires on it soon. That's going to be two grand. It's like $400 a tire. I live in a house that we purchased. I've spent well in excess of $30,000 since we've moved in here on floors, paint, roof, other things, furniture, TVs. I think I was sleeping on the couch eight years ago, sleeping on a couch somebody probably gave me for free. Now I sleep on a $3,000 mattress every night. My, probably my biggest possession was maybe a set of golf clubs that was worth a couple hundred bucks. I have several items that are well in excess of five figures, jewelry, coins, other possessions that we have now that we've bought over the years. And again, I've worked three months I literally have had a job three months over the last eight years. Three months. I was working full-time, 40 hours a week for three months. And then I quit because I realized I could make more doing other things. So over, you know, if Donald Trump's president for three more years, maybe he's president only one more year, maybe they impeach him. Maybe he quits, maybe he dies, <laughs> whatever it is. You too can improve your life. You too could achieve whatever you feel like you're doing. Don't expect any of these presidents that ever get elected to do any of it for you. 
And if you want to get wealthy, if you want, you know, now I wake up, I don't think about money. I don't think about my bank account. I don't think about, you know, money coming in, coming out. I don't worry about it. If the stock market were to crash tomorrow, it wouldn't, wouldn't put a dent into my lifestyle. If home prices go down, it wouldn't really matter to me. I'm not looking to move anyways. But my best advice is if you want to improve your life, if, you, if you're struggling financially, or if you want to do better financially, maybe you're not struggling, but you want to do better financially, don't listen to people with communications degrees. Don't listen to people with liberal studies degrees. Don't listen to people with law degrees. A lot of these politicians are actually lawyers. I think I heard the other day, 90% of Congress and the Senate are like lawyers and attorneys. So no wonder they pick a side and they just argue. They don't get anything done. All Because that, 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 it sounds exactly like a lawyer. All a lawyer does is want to pick a side and argue, argue, argue. They don't ever want a verdict. They don't ever want a resolution because that's when they stop getting paid. A lawyer just wants to litigate, litigate, argue, argue, discuss, discuss for as long as possible because that's how they make money. So nobody in Congress is ever going to do anything for you. Nobody in the Senate is ever going to do anything for you. No president, God knows that, is going to do anything for you. And none of these anchors that majored in communications or liberal studies or uh, Middle Eastern religion, uh, basket weaving studies are ever going to do anything for you. Pick up an economics book, listen to some economics podcast. While, you know, I, I actually watch CNBC and Bloomberg. I don't watch Bloomberg as much anymore. They've kind of rotated a lot of their talent that I kind of liked. A lot of them actually have come to CNBC, actually. You know, I, I watch that more so out of entertainment. I don't think I learn as much from, from that stuff, you know, where I'm at in terms of being an investor, in terms of my, my, uh, my uh, experience, I guess, or education level now in terms of finance and stocks, I don't get anything out of that. But I think if you're a beginner, if all you have been listening to are liberal, uh, you know, Jake Tapper types or Chris Matthews types, if that's all you've been listening to, for your news and your, you know, how your life is going to improve or be affected or be negatively impacted by Donald Trump, you certainly could learn by switching the channel over to a financial network and listening to some different opinions and some opinions that actually are more qualified to talk about the economy, more qualified to talk about what the impact tax is going to be, and certainly more qualified on how you can benefit because guess what? Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and, again, the, the anchors on all the major media outlets are going to tell you. They're going to tell you this tax plan is going to do nothing for you. Your life's over. You're going to die. Your health care is going to go away. Your life's going to get terrible. The only way it'll turn around is if Trump's impeached. And that's just not true. It's not true. 
Just like when you were told, I'm sure when Obama got elected, you were told, oh my God, he's going to do so much for the people. And oh my God, it's going to be amazing. We're going to have a revolution here. No, what we had was the rich got richer and the poor got poor under Obama. Just go look. Just go, again, Rachel Maddow is not going to tell you this. She's not going to tell you that under Obama, the poor got poorer and the rich got richer more than any other president before him or probably even after him. They're not going to tell you that a lot of Donald Trump's policies actually are going to help raise wages. Actually are going to help employment. Actually help not not just employment, but raise wages. They're not going to tell you that. They're not going to tell you that lowering the corporate tax rate is outstanding, outstanding for the middle class. If you know what to do, if you know how to capitalize on that, if all you're going to do is, is, you know, get on Twitter and Facebook and pout about it, of course, nobody's going to sit there and hand you free money or give you any opportunities. Nobody is. I don't care who's president. So get out there and do something about it. If you're already wealthy, you know, or you're already really doing well for yourself, you don't need me telling you this, but, but, but I can imagine a lot of you guys right now as you're listening, you're on, again, you're on your walk, you're on your run, you're at the gym, you're at the car, you're driving to and from work, you don't even want to be at that job. You're tired of it, you're sick and tired of it. You're tired of working this job, tired of working that job, tired of seeing other people get ahead and you not getting ahead. The way you get ahead is by focusing on what people that are getting ahead, what are they doing? How are they getting ahead and you not, you're not? What skills, what knowledge do they have that you don't? Because again, this is not... Uh, this is not North Korea. This is not uh, China. This is not uh, some of these countries where you have to be born into the right situation to, you know, you got to be born into the royal family to, to be really wealthy. No. I think like, like half of the top 10 people or more, it might be more than that, like half of like the top 100 wealthiest people in America didn't even graduate college. The CEO of Facebook didn't graduate college. Mark Cuban said on Shark Tank the other day, he dropped out of high school. Bill Gates dropped out of college. Okay. A lot of these really wealthy people, I don't know if Jeff Bezos finished college or not. I think he's the wealthiest guy in the world right now. What are they doing? What, what kind of skills do they have? What kind of knowledge do they have? A lot of these really wealthy people don't even like Trump. Don't yeah, you know, they're they're not aligned with him. So how are they continually to get ahead? Okay, they're not getting their financial advice and uh, economic tips from uh, Rachel Maddow or, or Chris Matthews or or uh, the Washington Post or or uh, the New York Times. They're just not. So hopefully over the next, again, however many years Trump's in office, one year, two years, four years, eight years, I don't really know. But if you set some goals, set some, uh, you know, 
go to the library, get on some ebooks, watch YouTube. I don't really care what you have to do. Get some skills. Start figuring out ways you can make money. And go from there. And don't rely on the, the president to, to, you know, the president, you know, relying on the president or blaming the president is not going to do you any good. Doesn't matter if it's Barack Obama or Donald Trump as the president. It's not going to do you any good. And I promise you, if you do that over the next, again, four years, eight years, however many years it is, you're going to watch your life improve. And then maybe in four or five, six, seven years, you can be like me and look back and say, wow, I never really even had a job. Or I haven't worked in four years, five years, six years. For me, it's been like eight years. I had a job for three months. So it's been... uh, I think it's been about seven years since I actually, I think it was around this time, seven years ago when I, I took a job. I took a job from, I think it was around, it was right when football, I remember listening to fantasy football podcasts um, to and from, that was like the highlight of my day. It was like, I would I usually walk to work and it was like an hour or something away. It was like an hour's walk almost. It was like on the other side of town and it was before Uber and it was, it was like, you know, it was either an hour bus ride or an hour's walk. And so I would just would walk because it was just, you know, I could just clear my head. And out here in California, even in the wintertime, it's not a bunch of rain or whatever. I could just walk. And I would just clear my head and listen. I remember I had like an iPod or something, and I would listen to a fantasy football podcast. And that was like the highlight of my day. And I would come home, look at the stock market, Work on my websites at the time. I wasn't making really any money on my websites. And for several years, for, you know, year over a year, wasn't making a lot of money on the websites. And I had a lot of people tell me, oh, you should focus on your job or go back to school or do that. I had even family members, even my dad. But I never doubted what I was going to do. Never doubted how I was going to make money. And never doubted my, my own ability to get it done. And I really think that you out there listening right now, you could do the same thing. So hopefully that provides a little bit of inspiration around this time every year, especially the farther we get out uh, from the stock market crashing. I always kind of think back to this time, uh, you know, it's a, every year it gets one more year past. Uh, next year it'll be... Um, it'll actually be 10, yeah, it's nine years this year. Next year, it'll be 10 years. Um, so it'll be a decade since I closed my card store and it'll be 10 years since the the stock market kind of originally crashed. And I'll always look back at 2008 and see how broke I was and how, um, uh, you know, a lot of times I was, I was feeling pretty down, you know, when you don't have any money and you're hungry and you're, you know, you're struggling a little bit. You know, you feel down every once in a while, but I, I always remember saying to myself, Nobody, nobody's going to feel sorry for me. Nobody's going to uh, come help me out. Nobody's going to give me a handout. And if they did, it's not, it's not going to be much. It's not going to be sustainable. It's not going to get me off my feet. I needed to get myself off my feet. 
And so if you find yourself in that position, don't, don't think Donald Trump is going to come give you a handout. God knows he's not going to do that. But if you know how to take advantage of some of the policies that he's already enacted or some of the policies people are anticipating to be acted, you can benefit even if you have no money, even if you have 20 bucks like I did. You can turn things around. Or if you've just kind of been flatlining for the last four, five, six, seven years, however many years it's been, you, you feel like you've flatlined at, at whatever salary you're at or whatever position you're at, you can move up. Maybe not in the job you're at now. Maybe you need to you know, do a second income or a third income. Start selling on Amazon. Start studying a different field. Start getting some different skills partnering up with the right partner, whatever it might be. Those opportunities are out there, and I hope you take advantage of them. And uh, if you do, good things are going to happen to you. If you sit around and turn on Rachel Maddow and Chris Matthews and Jake Tapper and just listen to how terrible things are and how terrible it's going to get and how much you need to worry, well, guess what? That's probably what's going to happen to you. Things are probably going to get worse. Things are probably going to get worse for you. You're probably going to get broker. So you're a product of your own environment. And I truly believe you can make the most out of any situation. And even if you don't like Donald Trump's policies, you think he's crazy, you think he's a lunatic, you think he should stop tweeting, there's still a lot, a lot of things you can take advantage of. A lot of things you can um, really benefit from if you know what you're doing, know where to look, and focus on the positive and not just the negative. So hopefully that helps, uh, you know, not looking to help thousands of people or hundreds of people out with that message. But if one of you take that message to heart and turn things around, um, it would be pretty cool. So hopefully you guys enjoyed today's podcast. That does wrap it up uh, for, the, for the entire show, for everybody, even though, um, you know, those of you that, that stuck through that segment, I do appreciate it. Um, I do the Make America Great Again segment to give you a little bit of different perspective because, again, I realize I, I you know, I see a little, a lot of, I actually read, I don't watch, God knows I don't watch MSNBC or CNN or any of these, again, these communication studies, people that, you know, really are, are 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 100%. You know, I think I saw the other day Harvard did a study where it's like CNN and MSNBC, it's like 95% negative coverage. It's like I don't want to watch that. God knows I don't want to watch uh negative 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 coverage. I mean, again, you're you're a product of your own environment. If all you're doing is watching negative news, negative coverage, negative this on the economy, negative this and that, of course, that's of course it's going to be negative. Of course, you're going to be negative. So I don't I don't need to expose myself to that. I'm turning on CNBC and the, every day they're basically dancing around on a new new stock market high. So pay it to you know, you know. Again, you have half the the mainstream media or you know ninety percent of the mainstream media is telling you the world's going to hell. But look at the stock market. It's it's not telling you that. And if you if you listen to really intelligent people, they're going to tell you this stock market could have a long ways to go, okay? Still a lot of legs left to it. Still a lot of, lot of opportunity there. Sure, it could go down at any time. A lot of things could happen. But we're not in a territory, you know, 
we're not in a territory where, you know, you really need to be overly concerned about um, any kind of big market crash or big market downturn. Especially if we get tax reform, especially if we get more deregulation, especially if, uh, you know, Trump isn't, has to go through any kind of impeachment process or something like that. Um, Something like that will certainly derail the economy. But I try not to focus on stuff like that, try to focus on the positive and try to focus on um, the good things that are going on because there's a lot of them. And if you, if you tune into the right sources and, uh, you know, put, put, point yourself in the direction of positive, point yourself into a positive direction, positive things will happen to you. If you're pointing yourself into negative and focusing on that, well, I don't blame negative things. That will happen to you because that's what you chose. So you chose to listen to this full podcast, and I always appreciate that. Thank you so much uh, for listening. I know a lot of you guys, or not a lot of you guys, but some of you guys might follow me on Twitter and see that I am negative on Twitter. I am a jackass on Twitter, but that's that's the character I like to play on there. That is uh, the, the, the format that that uh, website or that social media network uh, – place to but if you want a little bit more positive uh you know nature you can always get at me on facebook i think it's facebook.com slash sports radio you can always uh, email us at sports show at gmail.com you can always leave a comment that's also a good way to get all of us leave a comment on our website sports and again we hired somebody full-time to work on the website so uh you will be seeing plenty of articles plenty of things on there you can always go and check that out but you're not gonna hurt me, my feelings if you don't But until some other time, some other place, we'll be back. And hopefully you will be too. But until then, we are out of here.